I speak in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What we value informs our behavior and our ethics. It drives our choices and our motivation. At 20 year old, I didn't know that my decision to follow Jesus was going to change what I value. I didn't know that it would change the course of my entire life. I saw it as an add-on. As a young person in my 20s, I needed a home and a place of belonging. I was yearning for stability and permanence. Stability looked to me like getting an education, then a well-paying job. In doing so, I would make it. I thought, if I do that, all my yearnings and my longings for permanency and stability would be quenched, and I will also follow Jesus. So I went to school, believe it or not. (laughs) I prayed for a good job, and I got one. But while I was working for Chevron Refinery, making lots of money, I still had a nagging feeling of emptiness. There was this yawning feeling that said, hmm, Is this all I'm going to do with my life? After a spiritual conversation with my director then, mentor pointed out that I was just actually operating from a different orientation, which is me first, then Jesus. I was following my agenda and hoping that Jesus will rubber stamp it. (laughs) However, that's not actually following Jesus, the king of the upside-down kingdom requires something else. In our gospel text today, Jesus admonishing his disciples to give themselves fully to the cause of Christ as Jesus' audience marvels at the beautiful physical temple, Jesus challenges not to get distracted by the things that they see, whether riches or destruction. The disciples of Jesus is to give their whole self to faith and suffering and testifying about the one whom They place their hope. In a moment just before this, Jesus described true devotion. He declared that the widow that gave all her wealth, despite being two small coins, gave more than the rich who did not feel their gifts because they were really not sacrificing. It was, it was no sacrifice to them. 
It was an invitation to a faith that is lived fully. Yea, in our passage, they were mesmerized by the physical glory of the Herod's temple. Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent building. Fascinated with the beauty of human creation, they temporarily forgot that the building was a sacred space that was intended to lead them to the God of history. They would be wise to remember that what happened to Solomon's temple. It too was a beautiful sacred space which contained no idols and was meant to demonstrate that God did not reside in what humans built. However, that building was eventually destroyed and led to God's people being in exile. The Lord took this singular moment of awe and reminded them of the values of the new upside-down kingdom that Jesus was promoting and offering. He drew their attention to the temporality of man-made things, which are unreliable, and contrast it with eternal. He warned them of the dangers of looking at things with physical eyes. He expounds how to wait for the unseen to think. This physical structure, the temple, as awesome as they can be, are no incidental in shaping the outlook of one's theology and worldview. One theologian aptly stated, like it or not, the church building and furniture literally will shape the community's way of gathering, the way of people see and touch one another. Brick and mortar theology, our walls, our furniture, and our sitting will define relationships, lines of communication, and all the invisible dynamic aspects of community. Close quote. Here, in this passage, Jesus gives his disciples some history lesson and yet challenges them not to be caught up in anchoring their hope in the concrete and mortar theology. When he says, as these things that you see, the day will come when no one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. He tempers their awe with the reminder that great suffering, which brings disruption and destruction, is inevitable for God's people. Therefore, how do we anchor our faith when things fall apart? In the same way, we anchor our faith against things that bedazzle us. Keep your eyes on Jesus, on things eternal. Jesus, as God's representatives, shows them that they need not to panic or fear when they witness destruction. Beware that you are not led astray in how you read signs of suffering 
in history because you'll be tempted to believe that God has abandoned you. The literal context of this gospel helps us to see that God's representative, Jesus, is aware of the destruction and disruption that suffering can cause. And yet he does not shy away in carrying his cross. The discourse mostly happened on Tuesday before Good Friday. Just like us with unexpected emergency of pandemic, the disciples did not know what was coming. However, Jesus senses the imminency of his own suffering on the cross and knows that many have and will interpret it differently, including as a sign of defeat the kingdom of God or the mission of Jesus. Luke knows his audience as he pens this gospel just like the disciples in history who in few days later found themselves bewildered and dumbfounded at the death of Jesus. Luke's audience also feels disillusioned about the promises and prophecies of Jesus' second coming. When is he coming? Is he going to come? Even the audience in the temple asked Jesus to tell them how to interpret the events around them. Teacher, when will this be? What will be the sign that this is about to take place? Jesus tells them to be on guard. Keep diligent watch, being sure not to be deceived by men. He instructs them not to be misled in trying to interpret signs or the teaching of the false prophets. But know whose you are. Know whose you are. But not a hair of your head will perish, promised Jesus. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. What a powerful reassurance to persevere, continue to trust God, like the widow who gave everything she had for God. This is a life of devotion and worship, fueled by gratitude. This widow gave her time, her talents, and treasure to God wholly and fully, everything she had. So often we find ourselves in the same place. For an example, when a hurricane uh, Katrina caused so much destruction. People attempted to interpret it as a sign of judgment for the people of New Orleans. And some said similar things about September 11, even the war in Ukraine, and earthquakes that have massive and catastrophic impact on human suffering has puzzled humankind. We long to make sense of the world we see, and more primary, we want to come to terms with what seems to be inconsistency in a God who promised he's unchanging. Jesus warns the audience to simply be careful of doomsayers and those who have mapped out a timetable of the end of the world. What does it mean to be faithful more 
certainly it means to engage with suffering. Jesus did and Stanley warns his followers that suffering is the way of Jesus. It is a fact essential to even know him or to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. The widow gave away all of her assets because she knew she could take none of them with her to the grave. Unlike me, she had a clear perspective about material things. Maybe I thought that having a lot of money would make me free and I can still add Jesus. So friends, we live in a world that deceives us, which tells us we can serve money and God. In doing so, we devote our talents and time to finding money instead of finding God. When it comes to serving God, we have little sacrificial devotion, which is really no devotion at all. Remember, we anchor our faith in trust of God's sure promises, not in the things of this earth that we see, whether breathtaking temple and riches or horrible destruction from suffering. We are to live a life of true devotion. And we'll suffer. We take encouragement from God's representative who engage in suffering in history. We anchor our faith when we view history with the lens of suffering because our God is a crucified God. We are grateful to belong to the one who will never leave nor forsake us. May we exhibit the faith of the widow and give everything of ourselves to follow the suffering Christ. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.